You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. Good afternoon. Welcome again to City Church. I'm so glad that you made it here for worship today. I know on days like today where it's uh, rainy and a little bit colder than it's been, uh, it can be hard to get in the car, get out of the house, and come to worship. But it's good that you did because here we have an opportunity to encounter Christ. We have the opportunity to encounter Christ in other people and in his word and in the sacrament. And that's what we're about every Sunday here at City Church. My name is Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be sharing the message with us this afternoon. I want to start by telling you about something that happened this summer. My family was uh, on a road trip back from Massachusetts, and we um, were, were trucking along, and we stopped at the Delaware House on Interstate 95. Those of you who have made that trip may know the Delaware House very well. I had to fill up the minivan with gas, and as I was uh, pumping the gas, you know, and this was the middle of the summer, so gas was like five bucks a gallon, um, and uh, someone approached me, as happens occasionally at a gas station. It was a guy uh, who was down on his luck. He said, hey, do you, do you have any money? I need to fill up my car to get to where I'm going. He had run out of gas or was, was right on the edge. And I don't usually have cash with me. I don't carry cash very often. But that day, I happened to have cash. And I opened my wallet, and I gave this man a dollar bill. I gave him one dollar. That's like one-fifth of a tank of, or a gallon of gas. One-fifth of a gallon of gas. He, so I was basically saying to this man, here, I'll help you go three or four miles down the road to where you need to go. And I, I, pretty much immediately afterwards, I felt ashamed about it. I still feel some level of shame in revealing this to you today. Uh, and as I was handing him that dollar bill, he looked down into my wallet and he saw that I had a 20 in my wallet too. And he said, well, how about the 20? <laughs> Can I have that too? And I said, no. Yeah, that was the extent of my compassion for this man who needed uh, gas for his car. One, I had $1 of compassion. And... Uh, don't get me wrong, like th this is a hard situation. And, and more times than I anticipated as a pastor, I've actually been asked a question related to this of like, what do I do with a panhandler? Do I give them money? And I've read the books, I've read the articles, I know about like, well, if you give them cash, maybe that's causing more harm than it's causing help. Um, and you don't know what he's going to spend that on. And maybe there, you know, should you give your money instead to other organizations? All of that, like I've read that stuff. I know that there, there's uh, bigger questions there. Um, but where I wanted to start today is with my heart, right? My big wide heart that had one dollar worth of compassion for this man. And, and the reason I start there, today we're going to talk about mercy. 
We're in this sermon series this fall on what it means for Christians and for City Church to be sent out into the world. And one of the ways that we're sent out into the world is that we are sent out to do mercy. We have a, a team, a whole team here at City Church that's called our Mercy and Justice Team that operates within our missions committee. And I want to talk about what mercy looks like and how we do mercy together. In order to do that, I want to read some scripture with you. This is a passage from Matthew's gospel. Towards the end, it's Matthew 25, and I'm going to read verses 31 through 46. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up and uh, listen to Jesus's words here uh, for his disciples originally, but also for us today. These words are also printed in the worship guide, and you can follow along there. Here's what it says. It's Jesus talking. He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to the ones on his left, Depart from me, you cursed uh, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you, would you please pray with me? Jesus Christ, our friend and our Savior, you told us that when you left this earth, you would send a spirit, and that that Holy Spirit would guide us into truth. And so now we ask that you would again send that same spirit in fullness to us, so that we would be guided into the truth about mercy. We pray that this truth would not just reach our minds, but reach our hearts, wherever they are today, and that we would be transformed because we have encountered you. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
All right, as I get started, I want to point out a couple things about this passage and where it, um, especially where it occurs. So this is at the end of Matthew's gospel, and in fact, this is the final public teaching of Jesus as recorded in Matthew's gospel. I point that out because I think it, it, it highlights the importance of this topic. Right? It's the last thing that Matthew wanted to show Jesus teaching about, and it was on the topic of mercy. Because mercy is close to God's heart. It's an important theme throughout Matthew's gospel, but here it's as though he's highlighting it, he's circling it, he's putting a star by it, saying, hey, this really matters. The other thing I want to point out to you is actually something that we've noticed throughout this series so far. And it's the point that our being sent out into the world is connected inextricably with the work that Jesus does in redemptive history. You see, whenever we think about being sent out, it's not like uh, some late addition to the gospel. It is part and parcel of what God wants us to understand about how he works in the world. Let me explain what I mean by this. We started this series by looking at John chapter 20. And there, Jesus says, the resurrected Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Jesus is talking about his incarnation, his coming as a human. The Father sent him to the world. He reflects on that and he says, as the Father sent me to be incarnate, so I am sending you. Also in that passage, he says, peace, I am sending you. And what he's doing there is he's connecting his message both of peace and of commissioning, of peace and purpose with the crucifixion and resurrection. Because as he said that, he he extends his hands and he says, hey, look at my hands, look at the wounds there. Remember that I died for you. And remember that I stand before you now as the resurrected Jesus. Because of that, I am sending you. Our sending is connected to the incarnation, it's connected to the crucifixion, it's connected to the resurrection. Last week, Harrison preached on a passage from Acts 1. Again, it's this great commissioning moment where the disciples are sent out into the world. He says, uh, you will be my witnesses, both here and to the very ends of the earth. And there, it's connected to another pivotal moment in Jesus' life, his ascension. Jesus is incarnate, he's crucified, he's resurrected, he's ascended, and all of these reinforce and establish our being sent out into the world. Today is no different. Did you know at the start of this passage in Matthew 25? It talks about the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming in judgment. It's talking about his second coming. It's talking about that moment at some point in the future, we don't know the day or the hour, when Jesus will return. And that establishes the basis for our being sent out with mercy. Our sending is tied to the work that Jesus has done and the work that Jesus is going to do. I think that's really important for us to understand. To to place this sending in a a larger context. Okay, with with that as kind of the background or the introductory material, what I want to talk about today is is quite simple. I want to talk about what mercy looks like and how we look with mercy. So first, let's talk about what mercy looks like. That that word, mercy, I've said it a number of times already. What has come to your mind when I say the word mercy? 
Uh, for me, when I hear the word mercy, the first thing that comes to mind is when you're wrestling with someone and you're losing, which I happen to have a lot of experience with, when you're wrestling with someone and, and they're, you know they're winning and there's no escape and you cry out mercy, right? You tap on the floor, you're tapping out, that's mercy. Now, there's another definition that kind of exists in Christian circles. Maybe this has gone through your mind, that sometimes we talk about mercy and we say it's, um, it's, not, it, it's not getting what you deserve. That's what mercy is. And, and that's true. That's a helpful definition up to a point. But do you notice that definition, not getting what you uh, deserve? It, it's telling you what mercy isn't more than it's t- uh, talking about it in a positive way. And so what I want to do is I want to give some characteristics positively of what mercy is. And if I was a better preacher, these would be alliterative or they'd, you know, spell an acronym or something. I don't have that. I just have four words that explain mercy. And the first is that mercy is compassionate. Mercy fundamentally is about compassion. Mercy is compassionate. And and this idea of mercy is rooted in the Old Testament. It's not something that Jesus came up with. It's throughout the whole Bible. It is the character of God. There's this great passage in Exodus 34 that talks about mercy. I want to read part of it for you. This is um, when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. Actually, when he was getting the Ten Commandments the second time. Remember, he, he, got, he went up to Mount Sinai, brought the Ten Commandments down on two tablets, and uh, the, the people of Israel messed up. He broke the tablets, and so he had to go back up on the mountain and, and get the tablets a second time. And it was uh, when he went up on the mountain the second time to get the tablets of the Ten Commandments, God showed up. This cloud came down and and God passed in the very presence of Moses. And I want you to listen to how God describes himself in that passage. It says this, Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God, when he wanted to reveal himself to Moses and in turn to the whole people of Israel, he said his name, the Lord, the Lord, the God, and then what? Who is merciful. If God could have one word to describe himself, he chose mercy. He chose mercy compassion. So when we talk about mercy, we are close to the very heart of God. It sounds like this is going in and out a little bit. Is it just me? The batteries are fine, but um, I'm going to keep going. So that's the first word that Uh, mercy means compassionate. Here's the second word that describes mercy. Mercy is simple. You know that that, uh, saying, you're so basic? That could be said about mercy. Mercy is very basic. And, And we see that in this Matthew 25 passage, right? What is it about? It's about feeding the hungry. It's about uh, uh, giving drinks to the thirsty. It's about going to strangers and welcoming them. It's about giving clothing. It's about visiting those who need to be visited. 
its food, its shelter, its presence. Don't overcomplicate mercy. Mercy is showing up, and it's helping people in the way that they need to be helped. Notice in this passage, it's fascinating as Jesus uh, continues through this teaching, because all they receive is something simple. The objects of mercy aren't necessarily healed. Prisoners aren't liberated. They are visited. It's so simple what Jesus is talking here. They are helped even if they aren't healed. Mercy doesn't always look like big miracles, but it looks like little acts of kindness. You know, uh, someone who helped me with this recently was Carl Meyer, whose wife passed away recently. And all through her sickness, he kept naming the little mercies of God that he saw in her life and in his life. She wasn't healed of her cancer, but he was able to name the small mercies, the simple mercies of God in the midst of that. You see, this simple mercy of God and the simple mercy that Jesus expects from us is practical. It's hands-on. In order to do it, our hands get dirty. We bend down on the level of those that we see who are in need. Mercy is simple, but you can't practice mercy. You can't do mercy at a distance. So mercy is compassionate. Mercy is simple. Third, and I've, I've hinted at this already, mercy is downward. Mercy moves towards the least of these. We hear that phrase repeated a couple times in this passage. That is the object of mercy, the least of these. Well, who are those? Oh, those are the unappreciated the ashamed, the peripheral, those who can't reciprocate. Those are the least of these. And that is the direction that mercy moves. You know, so often in our lives, we think about uh, the way up, upward mobility, taking that next step in our career, in our housing, and even in our spiritual life. But the path of mercy moves downward, always moves downward. The last word to describe mercy that we see from this passage is that mercy is slow. In our staff meeting this week, we, we asked, someone asked the question, what's the speed of mercy? There's no drive-through mercy. There's no fast food mercy. Mercy moves slowly. I've been thinking a lot recently about how the Bible talks about the word slow. And again and again in the Bible, the word slow is used positively. How does that strike you? We want to do everything fast. We want to be quick. We want to be in and out. But even that passage from Exodus 34 that I read earlier, did you catch what it said? That the Lord is slow to anger. Mercy moves at the speed of life. And often, and maybe especially with the least of these, the speed of life is slow. Mercy is slow. 
And I think one of the things with, with this portrait of what mercy looks like, one of the challenges for us in our modern Western culture, there are two things really, is that we live by a meritocracy, right? Mercy cuts against that. And we live uh, based on efficiency, and mercy cuts against that as well. A really helpful thing to think about throughout this whole topic of mercy is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan as well. A man in the ditch who doesn't deserve mercy but who receives it from the least expected place. A man who slows down in his life while others are passing by, rushing on to their next commitment and their next important thing. But the Samaritan stops and slows down so that he can show mercy. You see, that's what mercy looks like. Well, the second thing I want us to talk about today is how do we look with mercy? Once we've defined what it looks like, how do we begin to look that way on our world, on the people that we come in contact with? How do we look with mercy? The first thing is that we look with mercy by looking at God's mercy. In other words, in order to look with mercy on another person, we must know that God looks with mercy on us. That is the, the fountain of mercy, to know God's mercy towards us. I'm a God merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love. Do you know that that is God's posture towards you? If you don't, I, I don't believe you'll be able to show mercy to others. This is the fountain of God's grace. And it's here in Matthew 25 as well. Look again at verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. These are the ones, these are the sheep who have shown mercy. Well, where does all of that start? It starts with their having been blessed by the Father from the foundation of the world. It starts with the fact that they are heirs of the eternal kingdom of God. It flows from God's grace. The mercy that we show has its source in the mercy that God has already shown to us. This is a theme, again, throughout Matthew's gospel. You may remember the, one of the Beatitudes where Matthew writes uh, Jesus saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And, and here, the, the demonstration of mercy is so uh, tied up with being the objects of mercy. Which came first? That they were shown mercy or that they, showed, that they displayed mercy? We can't tell the difference, but the source is God's grace to us. So until you see Jesus Christ looking on you with mercy, you won't be able to show mercy to others. You know, there's another great Old Testament example of this. We, uh, we looked at it years ago here at City Church as we were working our way through the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 16, there's a, a character named Hagar. And Hagar was the, the servant of uh, Sarah, of Abraham and Sarah. And when Sarah couldn't uh, conceive, couldn't get pregnant, she gave her servant to Abraham, thinking, well, she'll have a child on my behalf. 
and it worked. Hagar got pregnant, but it had the effect of making Sarah very upset. And she cast Hagar out, and Hagar felt vulnerable and alone and forgotten and unseen. And she went out into the wilderness. She was like the least of these. And there in the wilderness, she encountered God and she said, Now I have seen the God who sees me. If you want to look on others with mercy, you have to know and believe that God has looked at you with mercy. So the first thing of how we look with mercy is by knowing that God looks at us. The second is by looking at the least of these. I've talked about this some already. This phrase, the least of these, it, it, it occurs in verse 38 and then it's repeated again in verse 44. It's important to Matthew. It stands out. And, and they, they ask, both the sheep and the goats, did you catch that? They, they both ask, but Jesus, when did we see you? And that's when Jesus uh, closes the loop and he says, well, you, you saw me or didn't see me when you saw the least of these. You see, it's, it's the key that unlocks mercy is being able to see the least of these. It's, it's ironic in this passage that both the sheep and the goats um, don't really see Jesus. And they don't see Jesus for different reasons. The, the sheep don't see Jesus because they're focused on the least of these. The goats don't see Jesus because they're looking for something grand and great. And they look past the least of these. So in order for us to understand mercy, we have to have eyes to see the least of these. Now, there's a sense... Maybe you've already felt this, you've already anticipated. There's a sense where we can say that everyone is the least of these. Everyone you come in contact with this week and the week after that, they're the least of these. There's a quote in the top of the worship guide from a, a, a Bible school teacher named Henrietta Mears. And she says that um, every person is dying for a little drop of love. And she's absolutely right. Everyone is the least of these. They feel that way. And so you could answer this question and say, well, the least of these, they're in my household. They can't talk yet. They, they can barely walk, and, and they're the least of these, and I need to provide food and shelter and presents for them. Yes. And if you don't have a, a family, you don't live with a family, maybe it's uh, uh, roommates, it's friends, it's co-workers who everything about them postures themselves as the least of these. They need help. They need mercy. Yes, that's true. And in the church, it's true as well. We take care of each other in practical, simple ways. We provide food. We show up with meals. We provide shelter when it's needed. And we provide presence to the lonely and, heart and hurting. Yes, yes, absolutely. Everyone's the least of these, but... I think we can use that answer to let ourselves off the hook. I feel that. I think I've done that in the past. I've described everyone sort of in my comfortable middle upper class milieu as the least of these so that I don't have to care for the leaster of these. Friends, there are the least of these among us in Richmond. 
do we have eyes to see? Or will we pass them by? I think uh, another part of this that we have to be aware of, again, given the context of City Church, is that we have a tendency and a habit of outsourcing stuff like this. We live in the gig economy where we pay other people to do all the things that we don't want to do. Are we operating a sort of spiritual gig economy as well? That uh, we use our financial resources to protect ourselves from having to look at the least of these. I don't know your heart, I don't know your life, but that hits me. I don't think Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25 is telling us that we should outsource the work of mercy. So how do we look with mercy? By looking at God's mercy, by looking at the least of these, and finally, by being sent to do mercy. We have to begin to practice it. We have to do it individually and collectively that we would believe that we're sent out to do mercy. So that's my challenge to you this week. Do mercy at least one time. Provide food or shelter or presence to someone. Some of the least of these in your life, right? Remember what I said earlier, it's simple, it's so basic. Maybe it'll happen for you at a gas station this week where you open your wallet to a person in need. Maybe it will be going through your closet and realizing that you have so much clothing that you never wear while people don't have enough. Maybe it will be by showing up for the least of these. Visiting someone in prison or in a halfway house. Visiting someone in a hospital or an assisted living home who's vulnerable and afraid. I think I've mentioned this before recently in a sermon, but um, City Church used to do uh, this thing called loaves and fishes, where a group of us would go down and make a meal for the hungry in Richmond. And it was a, a clear enactment of this passage. And I think we are lesser people because we don't do that anymore. And maybe that's my job to find the place that we can do mercy together. But I want to say it's our job. And so maybe today you're thinking you know about an idea uh, that, that we could go and do this simple work of mercy together, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, looking at the least of these in our city. Maybe you're already doing that and you can invite other people to come with you. I believe that we are people sent out to do mercy. And I believe that for many of us we're not doing it. And the day of judgment's coming. How will we answer our Lord? And maybe more positively, what, what would it do for us? What would it do for City Church if together we committed to doing mercy? How would God change us? How would our hearts become more aligned with God's heart? The God who is merciful and gracious. Remember what Jesus says in this teaching. 
He says, when you did mercy, you did it to me. You know, I hear from people a lot, like, I want to know Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. And we tend to think, well, I better become an expert in the Bible, or I better learn a lot of theology in order to do that. Jesus is saying, if you want to see me become an expert in mercy, because you will find me in the least of these. Last night, I uh, went to Chipotle down uh, by VCU to get dinner for the family. And there was a man outside holding a sign. He's barefoot. And I knew last night that I was preaching on this passage. And uh, I went in and got our order and walked out and I looked in my wallet. I had cash again in my wallet. I thought, oh, this will be good. I opened up my wallet. Guess what I gave him? A dollar. You, I mean, you couldn't write that. But it's what I did. Because my heart has a dollar worth of mercy in it. Friends, we are sent out to do mercy, but we will only do it insofar as we know the wide, overflowing, lavish, unending mercy of our God. I'm going to pray that your hearts would be rich with mercy. And I need you to pray that mine would be too. Let's pray now. Father, I'm ashamed at my miserly heart. And I ask that through your word and through the power of your spirit and through the goodness of your grace, that you would widen mercy in my heart. Help me to know and name myself as the least of these, not deserving your grace and favor, but receiving it anyway through Christ, becoming an heir of your kingdom. And Father, I pray that same thing for these friends gathered here today. This week, would you help us to have eyes to see the least of these, to have hearts that trust your mercy to us and to have hands and feet that are willing to get dirty as we kneel down and provide food and shelter and presence to those who need it most. We thank you for Christ and how he is a perfect picture of mercy to us and to the world. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.